Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So if everybody could stand to their feet in honor of reading God's word, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 6, verse 17. Um, We're going deeper from the message on Sunday. First of all, who enjoyed that message this past Sunday? Wasn't a powerful, powerful service and weekend? And uh, we talked about Noah and how it... Uh, the life of Noah and how it will really parallels to us uh, with the ark of how the ark is also a parallel of the church today and how we can born to win and to go out and to save souls and so we're going to go deeper into the life of Noah um, a little quick context if you missed this past Sunday for where what the story of Noah is uh, right now before we pick up um, is shortly after God has looked at his creation and Everything has become wicked. It says they turned their back on God, so much so that God was sorry that he ever created um, humanity. Uh, who knows, things had to get pretty bad for God to feel sorry he ever regret something that a decision that he made. And so um, because of everything was so wicked, uh, God is going to wipe creation from uh, the earth. And only one man was found favorable in his eyes, and that was Noah. And, um, and so Noah was then be tasked to create the ark uh, to then be the ones to where God said, my covenant will continue through you. But this is where we pick up in verse 17. This is God speaking. He says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy. Everybody say destroy. That will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. If I'm Noah, and this is the first thing God leads up with, I'm a little nervous right now, okay? He said, everything's going to die. But but then he says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, uh, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Verse 21. And be sure to take aboard enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly. Everybody say exactly. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Uh, here's the title for tonight. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, how to prepare for the promise. How to prepare for the promise. Let's pray over tonight together. Father, right now we want to welcome in your Holy Spirit, God, into this place, God. Father, ready to feel how strong and saturated this is with your spirit. So, Father, right now we just thank you for open minds and soft hearts. They're ready to receive from you, God, that we did not come here to be entertained. We did not come here, Father, just, God, to have a community event. But, God, we came here, Father, to learn more from you, to be encouraged by your spirit, and for us to leave this place changed in what we came. And so, Father, have your way in in this place tonight we thank you for breakthroughs we thank you for chains falling off we thank you for revelation coming in and we thank you father that you are going to get all the glory and all the praise from tonight and that we are going to see even more god of your provision of your blessings of your of your miracle working power than we have before because god we have the faith to believe it and we have the expectation to receive it so we love you jesus and we thank you for the opportunity it is to be in God's house, God, God's people, worshiping your name. 
We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Go ahead and give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and then you can be seated. You can be seated. Thank y'all for standing in honor of reading God's word. Um, do we have any procrastinators in the house? Do you have any procrastinators? Don't feel bad for raising your hand. Because first of all, you're looking at a recovering procrastinator. But studies actually show that 75% of people would actually associate themselves as a procrastinator. 75% of people would call themselves a procrastinator. And the Lord knows that that was something that I had to learn to let go of. I remember uh, growing up or going through high school especially um, that I would wait until the very last possible time to begin to studying for things. My parents in the front row, they know. And, um, and then was, you know, and study for homework, whatever, is prepare for a test. And, uh, and even though I would still, you know, make good grades or okay grades, I could say, and, or taking AP classes, what I realized is that um, by that procrastination, uh, it was that I liked that feeling of pressure, right? That feeling of the deadline, that feeling like, okay, it is shut up or put up time right now because, like, it's, I've waited till the very last minute. I got three hours until this is due. It's time to write to make it happen. And very quickly, once I graduated high school, as we probably all learned, as an adult, uh, that is not a healthy way to live your life. And always, you know, of course, there are people who can go to the extreme to things to where they will not move, take a step or go outside unless they feel 100% perfect and prepared for it. And then they will be, be the type of people, right, you know, those who, if everything's not perfect, they're not making a step, right? And, uh, but I've learned prepare the best you can and in this roll with the punches, right? And uh, be adaptable. But when it comes to the promises of God, there is no benefits to, to the promises by you having that lifestyle or that mind, mindset of procrastination. When it, when it comes to God's promises, when it comes to his purposes, there is no benefit to procrastination. We stand no benefit to that. Thank you, Jesus. Because really when you look at it, procrastination is the opposite of preparation. Procrastination is the opposite a preparation. When you are procrastinating, you are being inactive towards the goal or the promise that is in front of you. But when you are in preparation, you are being proactive towards the goal or promise that is in front of you. But if we are just procrastinating or, or really what we're going to go deeper into, it, if we fail to prepare for the promise or the goals that we have in our life, we can't expect for us to see or to walk into what God has for us. Like, could you imagine if Noah was a procrastinator? Like, could you imagine if he said, you know what, I'm going to wait until it starts raining before I start building the ark? Could you imagine that? We probably wouldn't be here if that was the case, right? Because Noah was the last one. If he would have procrastinated, he would have been the last of us, right? But I also think that if Noah would have in his mind, if Noah would have not been 
in preparation for what God had promised to come, which was the flood. If Noah would have waited longer than what he should have, I actually believe that then God would not have sent the flood until Noah was prepared for the flood. I don't think God would have sent something his way that Noah wasn't prepared for. And I can notice that because there's a pattern in Scripture. If you begin to read what, the, what it says in the Bible, there's a pattern to where God, when he promises something to somebody, he will not send that promise to them until they are prepared to receive it. When God promised Abraham a son, he did not receive Isaac until he was fully prepared for Isaac, right? When God promised Joseph that he would step into authority, it wasn't until he went through the preparation process that he finally did step into that authority, right? When David was promised to be king at the age of 15, it wasn't until he was at the age of 30 after a preparation process that he actually stepped into being a king. So when it comes to Noah, Noah was prepared for the flood, and because he was prepared, the promise was provided. I want you all to write this down. This is a quick point, not a main point. But God will not provide a promise that we are not prepared for. God will not provide a promise that we are not prepared for. That means that when God gives us a promise then it is now our responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. It is then now our responsibility to prepare for that promise. Because if we neglect the preparation, what we are doing is we are ne neglecting the promise. And that's really where the, ch where the challenge lies. Because when we begin to think about the promises of God, some of us have the perspective of saying, God, you promised me something. Now I'm waiting for you to provide that something for me, right? And we're looking up in God and we're saying, God, waiting on you to provide when maybe God is looking on us, waiting for us to prepare. And God is saying, look, I can't send nothing your way. I can't send promises your way. I can't send provision your way if you are not prepared to receive it. Like you could have the mindset of maybe what? Hey, God, you have promised me that I would start my own business. God provided. But we're not preparing a business plan, and we're not preparing the LLC, or we're not preparing how we should prepare, but then we're blaming God for not providing. Or, or say this, God, provide for me the right one. Provide for me the right husband or wife. And we're just expecting for God to provide while we're not preparing to be the right one. And so God will never send something that we're not prepared for. And you might be saying, well, Pastor CJ, that kind of sounds cruel, right? Like, God, you promised it. Why don't you just provide it, right? But see, that's not God being cruel. That's actually God being compassionate. Because he knows that if he sends something your way, a promise, provision your way, that you're not prepared for, then you will be crushed under the pressure of that promise. Because there's the thing about God's promises is that you can't receive it without first God's grace 
and power for it. So if you were to receive something from God that you haven't been correctly prepared for, you'd be crushed under the weight. If Noah would have received the flood without him being prepared for the flood, he would have been washed away by the flood, right? But God did not send the flood until first Noah was prepared for the flood. David did not step into be king until he was first prepared to be king. He spent 15 years of preparation before he stepped into the promise that God had on his life. Joseph spent years of preparation going through the pit, the palace, and Potiphar's house, and, and going through all these things. Before he stepped into authority. In the same way, we cannot step into the promises of God if we're not first prepared for it. But it's when we are prepared, it's when God provides. It's when we are ready, it's when God sends. It's when we've gone through the process, that is when God sends his provision. Another thing to write down real quickly. The provision is God's responsibility, but the preparation, everybody say preparation, but the preparation is our responsibility. The provision is God's. Don't worry about how it's going to be provided, right? Don't worry about what, how God's going to do it. That's, that's God's responsibility. But you and I, our responsibility is that we better be sure that we are prepared for the provision when it's ready to be provided. We better be, be sure that we are in the right place, the right mind, and the right attitude to be ready to, be, to receive God's promise when we're ready to get it. So tonight we're going to be looking at the life of Noah, and we're going to see how can we be prepared for the promise. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. It reads this. It says, Noah was 600 years old. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's pretty old. That's pretty old. He was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board to the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives, verse 8, with them were all the various kinds of animals. So it was a proof for eating and for sacrificing those that were not along with all the birds and small animals that scurry along the ground. But they entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded. Everybody say commanded. Just as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. From the time that God first told Noah that the flood was on its way to the time that the flood actually was there, was from that time span was 120 years. Some theologians say 100. They argue about how exactly how much. But all I know is that it was a pretty long time between God promising something and that promise coming into fruition. I mean, you and I can barely wait five minutes at Chick-fil-A before we start throwing a fit, right? Think about waiting over 100 years for a promise from God. Imagine waiting that long, and really that is what hinders us maybe the most in today's age is that we are so used to a thing called instant gratification. I mean, we're so accustomed to a point-click drive-through society. We're so accustomed to Amazon Prime. Like, if it's not at my doorstep 
and days, I'm upset, right? Like, we're so accustomed to everything being so easy. Like, we don't have to wait for anything anymore, right? Like, we don't, there, there's no such thing as having, a, having to wait or have patience for something. There's no such thing as that we're so used to instant gratification. And that's why it can be such a frustrating thing for us when we have to be patient for something. Back in the day, in Noah's time, maybe even 500, 400, 300 years ago, being patient was kind of a, a, a customary thing because everybody was associated with, right, uh, farming and growing their own crops. And so they knew that if you wanted to see fruit, you had to have patience with the process, right? They understood that. But with us, we're used to McDonald's. We want it now, right? We're used to things being like that. And so this thinking of patience makes us frustrated because we're not used to it. So much so that when we, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but when we pray to God for something and he tells us it's on its way, just be patient. And when he tells us that, we're almost like, oh, dang it, right? Like that's not what we want to hear. Like we don't want to hear patient. We want to hear now. We don't want to hear, oh, it's on the way. We want to hear it's on the way to our doorstep tomorrow, right? Like, we don't want to hear anything about waiting or being patient. Like, we don't want to hear when we pray to God about having, sending the right relationship. We don't want to hear God say, okay, it's on its way to be patient. We don't want to hear that because we have such a negative connotation to patience. But patience is not just necessary but essential to us being prepared for what God has promised us. If you look at Scripture, you will notice that whenever God promised something to somebody, every single one of them had to first be patient before they received the promise. So how much more should we know that if God has promised you something, that we must know we have to be patient, step into it, See, if Noah wasn't patient, he would never have been prepared for the promise. If I was Noah, after 30 days, I'd be like, God, speed it up, right? 30 years, 120 years, Noah was patient for the promise. But that is what makes it so necessary to our preparation. Point one for tonight is this, is that preparation requires Patience. Everybody say patience. Preparation requires patience. If you are not able to be patient, then you will never be fully prepared for the promise. If you're unable to be patient, then you'll never step into what God has promised. That is how crucial patience is to us. Because every time God ever made a promise to somebody in Scripture, they always employed patience to receive it and to get there. So if you ever are praying to God for a promise or for what God has told you, what is in your future, if you're ever praying to him about that for provision and he tells you it's on its way, just be patient, that's not a time to be discouraged. That's a time to be encouraged. Because you know that all that means, when God tells us to be patient, all that means is that the promise is on the way. 
When God, when you're praying to God and he tells you and you're praying to him about uh, what you are seeing, what God is taking you in your life, and he tells you to be patient, you need to jump up to your feet and begin to praise him because what he's telling you is that your promise is on the way. We need to get out the negative connotation of patience out of our minds because we allow society to, to give us a definition that we're never going to be able to get through the preparation stage of our promise. That's why every time, every time God tells me when I'm praying for something, believing for something, and he tells me it's on its way, just be patient, I begin to thank God for what he's doing because I know that I'm, a, I'm going in the right direction. Patience doesn't mean I'm going in the wrong direction. Patience means I'm going in the right direction. Actually, I get a little worried when I'm praying to God and I don't hear him telling me it's on, a, on, it's, on its way. That's when I get worried. Because I'm thinking, okay, am I going in the wrong direction? But when I begin to pray and seek after God and he tells me, hey, you're on the right path. Just be patient. Keep on praying. Keep on going. Keep on believing. Keep on being faithful. And you're going to see the promise be in your life coming to pass. That's when I begin to get excited. That's when I begin to give God praises because I know I'm going in the right direction. Well, if you know your promise is on the way, give him a joyful noise tonight. Begin to say, I know that my promise is on the way. Don't let the enemy convince you to not be patient. Because what happens when you're not patient? What do you do? You settle for less. When you choose not to be patient for God's promise, you settle for less than God's best. And I know we've all been there. I know we've all been to the place where like, God, I know you called me over there. But instant gratification's right here. I don't need to employ patience to get here. I can get here right now. But what God's trying to tell you, and then what we have to take in heart and know and believe, is that God's promises is worth the wait. God's promises is worth the patience. God's promises is worth the time. God's promises is worth the saying, you know what? I could follow the path of the world and push aside God's promises and purpose for my life, but no, I'm going to employ some patience. I'm going to be prepared, and I'm going to have faith because God's promises is worth it in my life. I want us to look back on verse 9 where it says this. So you got to remember in this place where we pick up, Noah has been waiting for 120 years. And finally, God tells him to go into the boat. In Genesis 7, verse 9, it says, They entered the boat, pairs male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. And in verse 10, after, everybody say after. After seven days, then the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. Can you, can you imagine waiting 120 years for something, and God finally says, hey, it's here, get in the boat, and they get in the boat, and they have to wait another seven days in a stinky boat with stinky animals like we're talking about, 
before the flood finally came. Man, I can just begin to hear all of Noah's neighbors and even maybe his children telling him, okay, no, this is the final straw. This is it, right? We're finally in the boat, and the rain still isn't here. Because you got to remember, really at that time, a place in humanity, there was no thought of what rain actually is. It says in Scripture, right, it came from the ground. And so the thought of water coming from the sky, that was a thought that doesn't seem like it was possible. And so Noah's waiting for the impossible to happen. He's waiting for God to do what he's promised to do. He's at the end of his finish line, and it seems like that's the time for him to push the hardest. And I can just begin to hear that picture that he's in right now. His neighbor saying, see, Noah, I told you, you're crazy, right? See, Noah, I told you, you you're the conspiracy follower, right? See, Noah, I told you. And then all of a sudden, raindrops begin to fall. And all of a sudden, the promise begins to come. See, this, this is why I want to encourage somebody. You might be feeling like right now you've been waiting on a promise what feels like 100 years. But let me encourage you to not stop believing and praying and pushing for it because you could be at the finish line. You could be right at the end point where God has you. And a lot of times, the biggest pushback from the enemy comes at the final seconds and moments that the breakthrough comes. A lot of times the enemy tries his hardest knockout punch right before the victory is about to come. And so if you're getting beat up right now, if you're getting pushed down right now, you need to rise up right now and know that my promise, my breakthrough, God is about to provide what he has promised is on the way. Because the enemy will try to mess you up right before the breakthrough comes. But the rain began to come. And Noah trusted God. And really that's all patience is, is trusting God with the timing. It's really, if you boil down what patience is, saying, God, I trust you with the timing. I'm not going to get caught up in my timeline. I don't want to get caught up in my temporary thinking. God, I want to line up with your eternal timeline. Because there's things that God has promised you that you might not see until later generations come. There are some things that God's promised to you that maybe you won't see for 10 or 15 years. But you got to remember, God is in that promise right now as he is in today right now. So when he's promised you something, he's already there. We just have to make sure that we have the patience, the preparation, and the perseverance to get there. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, trust God with the time. Trust God with the time. I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. 14. Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. Always look at this. Now, this is uh, God talking to Noah about how he should build the ark. Look at 14. And God says, make yourself, everybody say yourself, an ark of gopher wood. I think Noah was hoping God was going to say, I'm going to make an ark appear out of nowhere. You just wait. No, he said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And if he didn't get the point, he says, then make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits in width, 50 cubits in height, or 30. There's a lot of cubits. 
Verse 13, then he says again, you shall make a window for the ark. You shall finish it to a cupid from above and set the, dark, set the door of the ark in its side. And you, everybody say you, and you shall make it with the lower, second, and third decks. Are you seeing what God's trying to tell Noah? Because you haven't caught it. I counted at least four times where God looked at Noah and said, you are going to make the ark. He said, you are going to be the one to build and construct it. I'm not going to make the ark appear out of thin air, although God has the power and capability to do it. But that wouldn't take no, any faith from Noah to achieve that. He said, no, you are going to build the ark. God said, I will send the instructions, but you have to build it. God said, I'll send the Ikea couch. But you got to build it. See, God gives us the direction, but it's up to us to follow it. He said, I'm going to give you how to get to the promise, but you still got to work. And you still got to be the one to make it. And you still got to be the one to put your hand to the plow. And you still got to be the one to prepare. You still got to be the one that when people are saying all these things, you're focused on me. You still got to be the one. Because I think what happens is that we treat God's promises sometimes like a frozen burrito, right? We get that frozen burrito, we throw it in a microwave, sit on our hands and wait for it to be done. And we think that's how God's promises work. But that's not how God's promises work. It, God's promises is more like a brisket, if I had to compare it to something, right? Right? I think that's some South Texas lingo. Because if you got a brisket and threw it in the microwave and expected it to come out right, people would call you crazy. Because for you to get the full potential out of that brisket, you need to put in the work. You need to smoke it for hours. You're probably going to be staying up all night. But who knows good brisket is worth the wait and the work and the preparation. In the same way, when God gives us a promise... We don't just throw it in the microwave, sit on our hands, and expect it to come out ready for us to receive it. No, we have to put in the work. We have to put our hands to the plow. We have to say, look, I'm not just going to sit around. No, instead, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do the work that God has called me to do. That's how we see the, see the potential that God has for us. See, Noah built a boat that was 310 feet long. If you stood up the ark Lengthwise, it'll be 30 stories tall. I think we have a picture of the ark. I know we showed it on Sunday. This is like a, a, a modern-day total uh, recreation of it. But imagine Noah and his sons building that, and they don't have power tools, okay? I know what you sometimes look at that like, man, if I had the right tools, I could get it done. Hey, they didn't have power tools. That's with a hammer, a nail, and a handsaw. Noah had to put in the work. That's what I'm trying to say. Noah had to put in the work if he was going to be prepared for the promise. If we think that preparation means that we just sit on our hands and wait for the promise to come, let me tell you this, you're going to be waiting for a long, long, long time. Because that's not what preparation is. 
Preparation for God's promise is us being productive. It's us putting our hands to the plow. It's us being like Noah. Instead of promises on the way, a flood is on the way. It's time for me to build a boat so I can be prepared for when the promise comes. And Noah was productive in what God called him to do. That's point two for tonight. Is that preparation requires production. For us to be prepared, it requires us to put in the work as well. You might be saying, well, Pastor Caleb, my promise is still on the way, so what do I do in the meantime? I get this question all the time. Like, well, you know, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not where God has told me to be, so what should I do right now? Should I just wait? Say, so, no, you know what you should do right now is that you need to do and work hard on whatever God has put in front of you right now. Whatever that is, put your hands to the plow. Whatever that looks like, put your hands to the plow. Whatever that means, get up and go to work and make sure that you're being a good steward of what God's given to you right now. Because if you wait until God provides the purpose or promise that he has in your life, for you to be like, okay, I'm really going to start working now. God's, God's finally provided my dream, promise, and calling. I'm really going to start. God's not going to be able to trust you. God can only trust you with the promise when he sees you being faithful with what you have now. So that means that if God has called you to be a missionary, but right now you're at McDonald's, you better be the best McDonald's worker that the world has ever seen. And that's God preparing you for the next. What you're doing right now, what we have to realize is what we are doing right now is what is preparing us for what God has for us next. But if we do not prepare now, we will be unprepared for the next. But if we say, God, it might not be exactly how I want it to be right now. I might not be exactly at the place I want to be right now, but I'm still going to give my full effort. I'm still going to have a great attitude. I'm still going to wake up every morning and give all the glory to you and go to work. Here's what I'm trying to say. Colossians 3.23 says, says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Work with all your heart. Make sure that you're not leaving any excuses on the table that when you get to the final place where God has you, that you've emptied your tank, that you gave it all you got, and you're leaving nothing to what somebody else could say. I don't know about you. I had this thought. I said, you know what? I want to take total coincidence and luck out of the conversation. You ever notice people are like, you know, they're there because, man, they just got lucky. It's like a coincidence. But when you put in the work, when you put in the, the discipline and the consistency, and they, got, they see where God is taking you, they say, that's not a coincidence because I've seen them put in the work. That, that, that luck is out of the equation. I've seen them get up each and every day, give their glory to God, and then put their hand to the plow like what they're doing right now mattered as much as it ever could. That's how we begin to make progress. It's when we begin to work wholeheartedly what we're doing right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, focus on the now, and you'll be ready for the next. You know, I had this thought, you know, when I was reading the story. I had this thought. I said, what if Noah went into, like, Bob the Builder mode, and what if he, like, finished the ark in, like, a month? 
You know what I'm saying? What if he just went crazy, you know, and somehow did it? Would God had sinned the flood sooner? Like, would God had sinned the promise quicker? I don't really know. I'll ask God when I get there, right, when we get to heaven. I don't really know. But what I can say is that if Noah, if he would have delayed the preparation, if he would have not begin to, put, begin to work on what God has told him is on its way, God would not have sent something that he wasn't prepared for. God would not have sent the flood if Noah was not prepared for the flood. So I don't think Noah could have sped it up, but I do think Noah could have delayed the promise on his life. Another thing to write down real quickly, I don't think we have a slide for it, but preparation can determine the pace of our promise. Preparation can determine the pace of our promise. Because maybe it's not that the promise is taking a long time. Maybe it's that we are taking a long time to get prepared. Maybe it's not that God is over here saying, you know what, I'm waiting, and he's slowing it down. Maybe it's because we are not being prepared for the promise, and that is what is delaying the receival of what God has for us. Maybe it's not God taking a long time to send the right one. Maybe it's us taking a long time to become the right one. Maybe it's not God taking a long time to bring that promotion. Maybe it's us taking a long time to prepare for the promotion so that way when God brings the promotion, we can step into it how God has called us to step into it. Now, does that mean that we control the timing of our promise? No. But I do think we can delay the promise if we don't prepare for it. So how can we make sure we're not slowing down our promise like we just talked about? If we just make sure each and every day we give all of our effort and all of our heart to God, and each and every day we're just focused on him, I'm telling you, we will be on the path of the promise that God has for us, and we will be on the, on the quick side of it because we'll be doing what God has called us to do. That's what scripture says about Noah, what we read up when we read in the opening scripture. It said that Noah did exactly what God asked him to do. You want to know how we speed up the promises in our life? It's by us being obedient to God. Being obedient to what he has asked us and called us to do. If we stay on that path of obedience, that's the quickest way to get and step into the fullness of our promise. So turn to your neighbor and say, get to work. Get to work. Some of you wives said that too loud. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. We're almost done tonight. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only, only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. He walked in close fellowship with God. God did not select Noah because he was the best carpenter 
in the world. God did not select Noah because he was the strongest one. Matter of fact, Scripture before that says that the people who lived on the earth, because they intermingled with what many believe were demons um, from who came and intermingled with the women of the earth, that these big, strong, what Scripture even calls them, uh, renowned men came out. So he definitely wasn't the strongest is what I'm trying to say. But what Noah was that made him different and why God selected him is because of the fellowship that he had with God. I think God knew when he selected Noah, he knew that what he was asking him to do was difficult. I think he knew that building a boat of the size and stature as the ark and you want to hear a crazy thing? A bigger boat was not built until the mid-1800s. He knew that that was a tall task. That would be something very difficult for him to do. But he knew that when the preparation got hard, he knew that when his neighbors began to mock him and begin to say that he is wasting his time, God knew that Noah because of his fellowship with him, God knew that Noah would, would rely on his relationship with God, his prayer time with God, to get through the preparation process for the promise. God knew. Because God could have selected the strongest guy who was the best craftsman and said, oh, he could do it on his own strength. He probably could do it on his own. No. God knew he had to select somebody who had what makes the difference in the end. Because we could be fully prepared for what God has for us in the physical. We could fully be prepared and have everything right with our, with our experience and education. But if our fellowship and relationship with God is not right, then we will never be able to step into the fullness, promise, and purpose that God has for us. When God called Noah, he called him. Because he knew that Noah would rely on his fellowship and prayer with God to get him through. Worship team, you can join me. The third point for tonight is that preparation requires prayer. Everybody say prayer. Preparation requires prayer. It doesn't matter how productive we are. It doesn't matter how skilled we are. It doesn't matter how many podcasts we've listened to, books we've read. It doesn't matter how many degrees we have behind our name. If we do not have a prayer life, we will never be prepared for God's promises. If we do not have the correct relationship with God, we will never be correctly prepared for what he has for us. There's been many times, many times in my life, and I know in your life as well, when the preparation got hard, when the process got hard, when going through the things of life gets difficult. And here's the thing, God knows that it would be difficult. Matter of fact, when God gives you a promise, you better believe that it's going to be a difficult path. There's been many times in my life, and know yours, 
whenever the preparation got difficult and when we felt like giving up and we felt like maybe God's promise that he has for me isn't worth all this but because we had a prayer life and because we had a relationship with God when we're able to get inside that place of prayer and in his presence all of a sudden that stress that anxiety those insecurities all the weights of the world world that we feel begins to fall off our shoulders when we pray it begins to be released from us when we pray it begins to be taken off our shoulders and placed upon the one who can actually hold it and that's why it's required of us to be prepared for his promise there's been times where I've been frustrated with the calling of God or the path that God has. I've been frustrated. But when I went into prayer, that frustration turned into faith. There's been times where I was discouraged about where we were and saying, God, how is this going to happen? How are we going to get through this process? I see the promise, God, but the process, it looks impossible. But I got into prayer. And all of a sudden, maybe nothing changed on the outside. But everything began to change on the inside. And that's the strength of God. That is what is required for us to have, for us to be able to accomplish the promises of God. Because we're not going to get there by strength alone. We're not going to get there by our talent. We're not going to get there by our know-how. We're not going to get there by our experience. Scripture says it's not by strength, but it's by the Spirit that we will see these things. And that's what makes us different. And that's why as sons and daughters of God, we are able to accomplish great and mighty things. It's not because you and I are any different from anybody else, but it's because you and I have somebody on the inside that gives us the ability, the strength, the power, the grace to be able to achieve what God has promised us. So for every person believing for a promise tonight, that's what I want us to catch. Because there's gonna be times when you are believing for what God has promised and you're gonna be discouraged along the way. There's gonna be times where you are believing to see your marriage restore, restored and you're gonna be discouraged along the way. There's gonna be times where you're believing for a healing and because it hasn't happened according to the timeline that you hoped for it to happen, you're gonna be discouraged and the enemy's gonna try to convince you to give up on the promise, to give up on what God can do. To give up on even believing that God can heal and transform and begin to change us. But let me encourage you, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying to God. Don't stop getting in that prayer closet. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop beginning to go and believe God for more. Why? Because the more we begin to pray, the more we begin to spend in his presence, the more time we begin to go into a place to where our humanity maybe wasn't able. But when we go into the divinity, God is able. The more we get into that place, the more strength will begin to arise. The more belief will begin to arise. The more we begin to see things not from a human 
humanly perspective, but from God's perspective. And that's what makes the difference, is that we can't achieve God's promises alone, but we need God's strength and spirit to see it through. Can you stand to your feet tonight? I want to close with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. This is the apostle talking about Noah. And he said, it was by faith. Everybody say faith. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. It was by faith that you still continued to pray for that son or daughter to come home. It was by faith that you continued to believe and work on your marriage to be restored and come into the fullness that God had. It was by faith that we choose to believe that God's promises can come to pass. That he obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. But by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. I want to close with this thought. is that God provides the promise when we have the faith. Everybody say faith. When we have the faith to prepare for it. God provides the promise when we have the faith to prepare for. I want you to begin to ask yourself, maybe begin to pray to God and say, God, what is a promise that you have on my life? What is a promise that you have given to me? But because I haven't had the faith to prepare for it, I haven't seen it. But what we can pray we can pray right now with every head bowed and eyes closed. God, we pray right now, begin to stir up our faith to prepare for what you have promised. God, give us the boldness to not look to the left or to our right, but to begin to prepare by faith for the promises that you have given us. That God, we will begin, God, to step out. We'll begin to believe. We'll begin to pray. We'll begin, God, to not worry about the opinions of man, but be worried about pleasing the name above all names and stepping out by faith, preparing what has been promised, preparing for what God you have, God told us is on its way, because let us not miss out on what you have for us, God, because we were not prepared for it. Come on, let's begin to sing. And I believe our faith will begin to stir it up. Come on, let's sing out to God together. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.